but asking people their why. Why did you come through the door or why did you call? What are you looking for to find out what their needs are and how we can service them, how we can meet them where they are to get them where they desire to go. Why did you come in? What do you desire? This is Untapped Power, insights and wisdom for collective transformation in the yoga community. I'm your host, Amanda Stroni, a registered yoga teacher and financial coach for yoga teachers, healers, and spiritual creatives. This podcast serves as a sacred space with a new way forward to speak the truth about the yoga industry from the perspective of the teachers. Join me for intentional conversations with yoga teachers from around the globe as we navigate the industry and explore the changing path ahead. We will dive into personal challenges, industry improvements, and financial stability. I believe one of the greatest gifts we can give to the world is tapping into all of our personal power so we can collectively raise the vibration together. Are you ready to join the conversation? Now let's dive in. This is episode 17 with Dr. Stephanie Epps. In this conversation, we explore the importance of running a business and treating your yoga studio as a business, not just a hobby or side hustle. Stephanie reviews accepting that your studio may not be for everyone and understanding your customers why to ensure that they and you are both successful. She goes over the power in providing people with what they need and being open to offer them referrals to move them in the right direction. Stephanie's studio is a welcoming and diverse environment, and she reviews how she's maintained the management of her teachers during a pandemic, transitioning to online teaching in a hybrid model, and the importance of feedback and personal growth. Stephanie shares with us her hiring process for new teachers, how to handle challenging and unpredictable situations, and how to create personal healthy boundaries for yourself. She's discovered the importance of saying no to maintain true presence and having honesty and integrity to be in control of yourself. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. And as you're listening, if you are engaged and have questions, then I invite you to hop on over to our free community that meets every Tuesday at 2 Eastern Standard Time. We go over topics that, are, that have been mentioned in our conversation today, such as how to get and receive feedback, how to continue to grow confidence as a teacher, and how to be teachable. So if this is something that has come up for you, then, then jump into that community. The, sh- the link is in the show notes, and I would love to see you there and have your voice be heard and enjoy this episode. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Untapped Power. I'm here with Dr. Stephanie Epps, who is a wife, mother, nurse practitioner, professor, and yoga studio owner. Stephanie has been teaching for five years and has owned a brick and mortar studio for three years. So welcome to the show, Stephanie. So glad you're here. Excited to be a guest on Untapped Power. Thank you. So why don't we start right away with you diving into your journey into yoga, how you got started five years ago, um, and sort of where you are today in that path. To go back just a little bit before that five-year teaching mark and just talk about starting the practice of yoga, if that's okay. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. So I've been practicing yoga for about 10 years, and about seven years ago, um, I tore my hamstring uh, running a marathon. I was really into CrossFit and uh, running marathons and off and on intermittent with my yoga practice. When I tore my hamstring, there was no CrossFit. There was no marathons. That just wasn't an option. So it was that point where I made that pivot to say, yes, I really need to focus on my yoga practice for my physical healing. That was the first, the asana for me. And then it went into my internal healing, my heart, my my mind, my spirit. And I just began to delve deeper into the practice and want to learn more, which led to me going through a YTT program. And ultimately going through that program was awesome. And I wanted to open a studio. So 
Nice. I'm excited to have it. Thank you. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's, it's an interesting, I think the question that that's gets posed about your journey, just in terms of people always enter into the practice for different reasons. And injury is definitely a common one where people find themselves unable to do other practices that they've done. And then yoga just becomes, oh, I'll try this because everyone says that it's good for me. And then it opens you up slowly. So how long had you been teaching before you went into opening your own studio? Was that something you thought about during the teacher training or was it something that came as a result of you teaching at other studios and wanting to have your own place and seeing the way those studios were run and wanting to do it sort of your own way? I was teaching for about a year before I opened my studio. And the reason I opened my studio was because the area that I live in on the south side of Atlanta does not offer the opportunities, the variations in practice in my area. And I wanted to have that for people, very welcoming environment, um, very diverse environment, and to go deeper than just asana. Mm, that's beautiful. And so you at the time, because you are a nurse practitioner as well, um, so you're working full time and then you you opened up a studio at the same time and you're still doing that. So how do you balance that full spectrum of what you're doing, running a studio and you know having your career as well? And how did, in the beginning, I'm sure that it was maybe a little more challenging than it is now, maybe it's still challenging, but I'm sure that you have a better grasp on it now that you're more in it for a little bit of period of time. The beginning was very challenging and it's, it's still challenging in a different yeah. capacity, a different way. Um, but the first year that I opened my studio, I had just transitioned from full-time nurse practitioner to part-time. And I went into higher education as a professor at a university in Georgia. And having the professorship allowed me a little bit more uh, time and availability to be able to work on my studio, be able to hire staff, which that was about a year later. I taught all of the classes to begin with. Why money? You know, right. have to have money to be able to pay people, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and comparing uh, a few years ago to where I am now, having a lot of support. I um, have a business coach now. Um, I go to therapy, that's important for my mental health um, and learning to take charge of my business and to not treat my business like a side hustle to, I hate to say negative words like not, but but it, it really, that's what it is to not treat my business like a hobby mm. because in order for my business to make money I have to prioritize I have to treat it like a business I, I sometimes refer to my to my studio as an organization because it is it's not just oh I teach yoga it is a life-changing practice we help people reach their full potential in multiple capacities coming from you know law sadness depression physical injuries moving into their next and even though it's yoga, it still is a business and it's not a nonprofit. So I treat my business like a business. Yeah. And I love that. And I appreciate you saying that because it is something that comes up in the industry a lot, right? I think that studios have that challenge. There are a lot of people that love yoga and the practices and then just say, oh, I'm going to open a business and treat it, like you said, like a nonprofit, not a business or an organization. And so what are some of the things, the challenges that you face running a business, running a yoga business and, and, and continuing to, to make profit and be successful and still be true to the teachings and to feel like you have the structure? Because I think it's something that, that a lot of studio owners struggle with and um, not, it's not talked about a lot. Like it's just seen as you know, that, that you should know how to run a business. And so I'd love for you to share some of the ways in which you're successful in your business and what you're doing. What are some of the, the things that you do to make it successful? Amanda, success is an eye of the beholder, in my opinion. And I'll be transparent. My studio didn't start making a profit until last year, like right before COVID happened. So we've had to recover from that. And, um, the main challenge to start with was 
educating people about what yoga is and mindset because the internet, the magazines, the social media depict images of who and what yoga is. And it's so much bigger than what is displayed on the television and, the, and in a magazine. So mindset, also um, people's opinions on what something should cost. Every client or student is not my student. It took me a little time to understand that because I'm one of those people, I wanna help everybody. I, I wanna see you succeed, you reach your goals. You want to get into that crow pose. Let's help you get into crow pose. You know, that's just something basic there. But um, the reality is I can't teach everybody. My studio can't teach everybody. However, we can give referrals to the right place for you. Prenatal yeah. yoga, kids yoga. I have some great contacts for that. Let me send you there. In regards to cost, we do a lot of community work. Uh, free classes in the park. We do donation class every week where we don't keep any of the money. The money goes to a local organization, 501c3, and we match the donations dollar for dollar. Um, so being able to reach people who desire to practice, who have limitations because of finances. Also, um, we do a lot of like community work as far as collecting donations, giving things out to those who are in need, so letting people know that they are seen, they are needed, they're valued, and this practice can be beneficial, asana and beyond. Yeah, thank you for that. And yeah, you touched on some great things. And the first thing you said, right, success is in the eye of the beholder. It's so true that our, our own definition of success, I say this often, it's, it's how we choose to define it. And and I really appreciate your transparency and sharing about your own business and, and where you are um, as far as how long it took you to get there, because there is some disillusion sometimes around what we create for the world to see and what's really going on behind the curtain. And so when we're able to share that, it just gives that, that honest connection and for other people to know that it's a process that takes time and, and to know, to be clear on where you want to go with it. And so as far as what you talked about with education and mindset, um, what do you notice with your students that are coming in that they're most resistant to? And, and within that, you touched upon um, just how it's hard for people to see themselves in the yoga practice if they don't look like what's out there, right? If they don't, if, if what's being displayed isn't a reflection of who they are and what their body can necessarily do, I think it's hard for people to even enter the door right? To even come into this space to say, let me try. So I, I would love to hear how you welcome in all types of people into your space and how you work with them from an educational and mindset standpoint to, to get them into a better spot for themselves. Cause that seems to be really important for you and what you're offering in your, in your studio space. Yes. Um, at my studio, we have a very diverse team. Um, it started out with me. I'm 30 something year old black woman. So it was just me to start with, which is much different than big business of yoga. I am 140 something pounds. I'm like regular size versus, and I'm short. So I think just looking at me, it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe if she can do it, maybe I can do it. But beyond just looking at someone, we have a sign, actually it's a, um, painting on our wall, a mural, and it has all are welcome because we firmly believe that all people are welcome in our space. And so the first thing you come into the door, it's this big mural on the right. It's like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, but asking people their why, why did you come through the door or why did you call? What are you looking for? to find out what their needs are and how we can service them, how we can meet them where they are to get them where they desire to go. Why did you come in? What do you desire? It's like those kind of foundational mm. questions that are kind of, that are a little bit broad, but it allows people to be able to just speak their heart, their truth. Um, people that ask questions regarding um, different body sizes, perhaps. Are you able to work with people that have larger body habitus? 
I am, my team is, we have gone through discussions and trainings on that and offering props, teaching people how to use props. And the fact that using a prop is a tool in your toolbox. It is not weakness. Props make your practice accessible for you, right? I always offer props when teaching classes, even in advanced classes, I offer them. Um, so using the props, uh, asking their why, and uh, just giving additional teaching points based off what they say, then I respond back. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's great. I, and I, honestly, I am, I don't know that that happens often in studios. I mean, I've taught at a variety of studios um, and it, it seems to, we forget to ask those basic questions, which are so critical. And I, I love that you're doing that, right? Why are you here? What is it that you desire so that you can meet people where they're at and sort of going back to what you said before, if it's not the right fit you can explain that to them and say, oh, you might be better over here. And, and there's so much power in that because we're not setting people up into this expectation that this is going to be what they need. And then they're disappointed, right? So it, it's so critical to understand people and to know what they desire and why they're in the space practicing um, so that you can really meet them where they're at and see their progress and see their growth. Um, so, so as your studio and in your community, um, how have you faced these challenges during this time when we've moved into, you know, we're almost coming up on a year. I think it, it is just about a year, which is pretty crazy with this, this online environment. And what have you done, um, in your studio space to, to make that transition? What was it like in the beginning? Cause I'm sure in back in March, 2020, it was different than it's looking now in February, 2021. So what, you know, what has happened and how have you rode this wave of challenge? It's have been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so we started out, um, March, we're, we're looking at everything. We ended up having to close our studio, quick change, we're moving everything online. I know some studios continue to have like auto pay memberships. At Indigo Soul Yoga, we stopped all membership processes, which that's a big hit when you have thousands of dollars coming in every month till zero dollars. And people who had um, their payment had processed and perhaps they had one week or two weeks of classes, we credited their account. So that money could be allocated to another service, whether it's the online, a private or um, a product, you know, yoga mat, etc. Most of our students, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say most of them. Some of our students uh, were open to the online platform. So we're online, they're figuring out how to use the Zoom, we're adjusting the camera. Initially, we were thinking this was going to be short term. So Amanda, we have a laptop up there. The teacher can barely see the students. And then we said, well, let's try the iPad. So we get the iPad up there. They can still barely see the students. So we're a couple months in now. We're, you know, this is going to be ongoing. We see what the numbers are. So we ended up buying like a huge 60 something inch TV so we could, you know, uh, share the screen, not share the screen. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? We could project from the iPad to the television so we could see everybody clearly because we speak to giving specific cueing, um, very focused uh, alignment because we wanna keep our students safe in their practice. That's very important. Um, just um, nonviolence, ahimsa, you know, wanna keep caring and compassion. And from my history of working as a nurse practitioner, as a nurse, the last thing I want is for someone to get injured when we could have given them some, some guidance as far as adjusting their postures. Um, so we transition, we have the online going on. And in July, I believe it was July of last year, we were able to reopen with small classes. So we have a hybrid format at, at presently, in person and online. So it's two experiences. In person, there all of the energy. It's something about the energy when students come together to practice, the breath work, 
which I'll talk about the breath work in a moment too, but the breath work, the, the poses, the rest, just the energy that's irradiating. And like with sound healing classes, it's, I personally feel like it's a different experience with the vibrations of the sound bowls in person versus what you're hearing through a screen. Um, so that's been a, it's been a challenge. We actually had to put our sound healing class on hold and it was one of our most attended classes, but it, it was just very difficult with the striking of the bowl. Sometimes it would be really loud and a, a um, chirping loud sensation a sound on the computer, on the user's end. So we had to put that class on hold. Um, something else that has been a challenge. Um, we are a uh, hands-on adjustment studio with permission. We have do not touch students without granted permission. However, at this point, we are no longer doing any hands-on adjustment, adjustments, only verbal cueing. And so many of our students are like, I miss the adjustments. I miss that, you know, but it's a place of safety. We're not doing that. Something else that has been a challenge is some of the breathing exercises that we, the pranayama we used to teach. We can't teach that, that audible exhalation, strong breath work right now. So that's been a challenge yeah. that we're learning, we're coping, we're maneuvering. And this is where we are today. Right. Yeah. Been, We've actually had some positives. We've had students who have joined us from different states. We have a student that uh, joined from Egypt. That's right? amazing. Yeah, so that's great. Some positives to it. Um, Absolutely. We kind so, of all joy. Yeah, and and thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think that all studios are in a similar spot. You know, doing hybrid, online, in person, figuring it out. And I'd love to hear from you as a studio owner, how you're managing your teachers and how they're feeling and how they have felt during this time. Um, you know, there are a lot of teachers that have had a challenge, you know, because if their income has been coming in through teaching and there was a, a point in the beginning where it was like, are we going to be able to do this? And also if teaching, and this could be for you as well, teaching has changed. You just mentioned, right? I can't do the breathing. I can't do hands-on adjustments. Do I still feel that same passion and fire within me to want to get up and do this teaching if I can't do these elements that are really important to me and what I stand for? So yeah, I'd love to hear just how you've managed that with your own staff. And if you've heard some things from teachers um, going back and forth about how, how they've been able to cope financially and mentally through this time. I actually lost... Um... I shouldn't say I lost, but we had a separation of some student, excuse me, some teachers from the studio. Some people did not feel comfortable teaching in an online uh, setting. Uh, some people had family situations that they're focusing on, which I completely understand. And um, so we just had a small group and my teachers still got, got paid for every class they taught. Whether somebody came or not, they still got paid because they came to show up to do the work. I did have one teacher who said that, I just want to give. I want to give this time to give back to our community. And I, I was just at a loss of words. And she had been with me for quite some time. And um, I just asked her, are you sure about that? She's like, yes, Stephanie, this is what I want to do. And I just was like, thank you so much because the last thing I want someone to do is to be working and feeling as if they're not being compensated appropriately because that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. And so it was about two months that she did not, she taught at least three classes every week. It may have been more, but at least three classes every week, full out, zero income. So I was just so thankful for her. Um, and where we are now, we've I recently hired some new people uh, getting them trained up and onboarded. So that's been good. I will say that last year, because of the social distancing, there was, um, I shouldn't say a breakdown, but a separatism. When we are a tight-knit community and attending each other's classes, we used to have like these team gatherings and everything is on Zoom now. And... Um, I decided that Stephanie, you, you've got to take control. We, this is the situation that we are in and it's going to be this way for a while. What are we going to do? 
So um, I decided that either myself or my coordinator were going to do bi-weekly check, not bi-weekly, bi-monthly check-ins. Um, did I say that correctly, Amanda? Every other week. I'm yes. sorry. <laughs> you got Every it. Every other week, either myself or he will yeah. be checking in with our teachers and our staff asking, how can we support you? How can we encourage you? What do you need to be your best self here at the studio and even beyond? Because I care about them beyond just their teaching, you know? I'm open to feedback, suggestions of how we can make it a better experience for our students in person and those students online. Um, also, I want to, I'm looking at doing some additional training, but figuring out how I can get everybody together with an outside source makes the time work. Because right now we're emailing or texting back and forth, trying to figure out when are we going to meet? So we met um, two Fridays ago. And so I, I told them what our new plans are. Our new teachers that are onboarding, 30, 60, 90 day review. I'm taking their classes, whether it's online or in person. I'll be speaking with other staff and teachers in regards to how, how was the class experience? Any thoughts that you wanna share? Not from a place of criticism, but from growth. We, we're always growing, wanting to, to be our best selves. So we have to give feedback. One of my teachers, um, her feedback method is keep, start, stop. And I actually have recently begun to use it because it takes the feelings out, the emotional. And you start out with positive keeps, keep doing these things. Consider the start, start doing these things, consider it. Stop, if you use a lot of filler words, for instance, or you can, for me, sometimes I catch myself saying, um, take control of that. And some things we are not aware that we're even doing it. And it can make it a better experience for the student and also make you a better teacher. Yeah, thank you. That is, it's so critical. And I love everything that you said and what you're doing at your studio. It's as a teacher myself, um, it's something that that gets missed quite often in the industry is this, this feedback loop. And it's, you know, in other professions, I think that's very common, right? We see in the corporate world that people get reviews on an annual basis or monthly, they meet with their manager and they go through their performance and they get feedback. And then when it comes to teaching, it's sort of just this, you know, go out there and do it and, and, and there's no feedback. And so I love what you said about keep, start and stop. I've heard that before. And it's, it's such a great great method. And I, and I just, I really, really respect that you're keeping those elements within your business, but also that element of caring about your employees and your staff and having connection and wanting to be a community um, is equally as important, right? It's not one or the other. It's like, we can have feedback. We can be strong and, and confident and hold our boundaries and ask people what they need. And we can also care deeply about them and want them to be successful and grow. So, yeah. Um, yes, I agree with you 110%. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and so I wanted to hear from you because you said you just hired some new people, sort of what you go through when hiring people, um, what you look for in, in, in teachers, and um, maybe some of the, the questions you ask and how you figure out if someone's the right fit. Um, because as a teacher, I, I always let, let people know that it's important to do that for yourself, right? To have that discernment within yourself and say, where do I actually want to teach? What's in line with my values? And how do they, you know, I don't want to be teaching somewhere that doesn't really, the, the community isn't in alignment with me and I'm, and I'm not able to express myself fully. So I think it's a combo, but as an owner, I'd love to hear how your approach is. So you make sure that you're getting people that are the right fit for your studio of 10 questions that we ask and it's usually myself and my coordinator that we have the uh, interview process together so this last round of um, candidates we placed uh, like facebook post you know a job option there on indeed and of course our website so we require certificate um, insurance highly suggest cpr that requirement and we ask that everybody upload it send those things in because being transparent time is finite time is money if you have not completed your yoga teacher training and you're in process you're not a candidate right now because you have not completed your YTT 
So I'm sorry, we can't move forward with the interview process. So I request those things up front. Um, also, if they have a resume, definitely look upload your resume. I read over it, my coordinator does as well. And um, sometimes we'll do a phone interview, like this last round, we did a phone interview. Then from there, we brought the candidates into the studio, <clears throat> excuse me. And some of the questions we asked was, uh, how did they find yoga to start with? What brought you to the practice? Because that's important. Um, what are their strengths and weaknesses as a teacher and beyond? Because that's important as well. As a, as a yoga teacher, what am I good at? As a person of the world, what am I, what am I good at? Maybe I'm an artist. Maybe um, I'm an excellent public speaker. Perhaps um, I write very well. Those can be strengths that we can use in different capacities for the studio beyond just your skill set of teaching. And if I'm specifically hiring for a power instructor and you don't teach power, we should know that up front, right? But perhaps I also need a restorative yoga teacher and that's your area of expertise. If this is your area of expertise, let's let you have a demo, go through that process, give some feedback and go from there. And are you teachable? That is very, very important. Are you teachable? Are you coachable? If you're not, then this is not the place for you. I believe in feedback. It makes us a better person as individuals and as instructors or um, staff members front desk. Very important, <clears throat> excuse me. Also, I ask um, questions such as if a, this is really relevant to the current state of our world with the coronavirus. And I'll preface this a moment. We require students to wear a mask from the moment they enter the studio, put their things away, do their hand hygiene and go to their mat. That's a requirement to practice in person. And we have the signs up, it's on our website. That is the policy. If you have a student who comes into the studio who refuses to wear a mask, just to get to the mat, very short distance, what would you do? That's important. And I ask because if for instance, we don't have a front desk person, like it's on you, right? You're checking them in, doing their temperature, directing them, you're gonna teach in a few moments. How are you going to respond? And this is a place for you to stand in your power, right? We have a policy in place. How are you going to respond? Yeah, I love that because it's, and it's putting, it's, it's in, you know, taking the situation and saying like, how are you going to handle something when you don't know what's going to happen, right? You don't know what's going to be thrown at you. And that's part of life. And I think that, you know, that is a skill in itself to understand how to respond to situations. And we take that for granted. And, you know, everything that you've said is, is wonderful and what you're doing, you know, if someone's teachable or coachable, right. If they get feedback, um, and I'd love to elaborate a little bit on that for you personally and how you've gotten to that place where you're accepting of feedback for your own personal path and, and being coachable and teachable, because I'm sure that that was a process for you to be in this place of such, um, importance and having that as part of what you do in your work. And I think it takes us to see it in ourselves usually to get to that point. So I'd love to hear your journey with, with feedback and receiving it in your teaching and maybe your career and just who you are as a person. Amanda, I have always been open to feedback because I think it's just something about my personality. Maybe I'm a type one, type A, whatever it's called, that I have this desire to be the best I can be. And this is even beyond before becoming a yoga instructor. I applied for a leadership role at a hospital facility and I didn't get the job. I was like, I wonder why I wasn't offered the position. So I said, Stephanie, go to the person. What could you have, been, have done better? What areas can you grow in so that when this opportunity comes back around, that you be the candidate? So we have to have, be open to, open to mind, open mindset and growth. 
Also, in regards to being a yoga teacher, I took a uh, workshop, a weekend series on yoga off the mat with a life coach, mind blown. It was just an amazing experience. And it took me to a better place as a business owner and as a person. So I'm so thankful that I was able to go through that series. It was awesome. Yeah. And so what was it about that? If you could go into like maybe a little bit more detail beyond the feedback, what other things were powerful in that that really allowed for you to to get more growth for yourself? It's the self-inquiry. It is the inquiry, the self-study. They ask you, they give all these like questions and examples, and it makes you think. You have to look within yourself to find the answers. You know, um, I cannot, Lindsay, I believe that's her name, Lindsay. I cannot think of her last name right now. Sorry, Lindsay, if you're listening. Okay. <laughs> You'll but, think of it. Yeah. Yes. It was life coaching, yoga off the mat with life coaching, but she incorporated some principles from her um, training with uh, Lululemon. She incorporated just generalized like life coaching um, education and the listening, the communication and asking those powerful questions. So it was a self-inquiry. Yeah, that's that's great. And it's, it is, it's one of those things where I, I believe that, you know, we always have to be growing as a person, you know, and thinking about that for ourselves. And, and it seems like, you know, that's what you're doing. You're, you're doing multiple roles in your life and in each one you're growing and you're evolving and, and, and moving in that direction. So I'd love to get into a little bit about how you work to, to balance. Cause you do have multiple roles, right? You're, you're, you're a mother first, I'm assuming, you know, a wife, uh, a business owner, a nurse practitioner, and you also do some online work, um, you know, course offerings and things for people. So, so how do you manage all of that and, and show up as your best self most of the time, you know, because we're not, we're not hundred percent perfect. So we'll put that out there, but most of the time, how are you doing that to create that balance? It is very difficult. And I will say that I was always like juggling having 17 things in the air. I have to run over here. I have to run over there. How am I going to get it all done? But I would always figure it out, have my little calendar, my cell phone. I have to leave this place at 930. I have to be at this place at 10 o'clock. You know, my daughter has soccer. Um, I'm really big on calendars and sticking to the time frame. If I have to go, I have to go because I know I'm going to be late. And I can't be late for the next event or what have you. So using my calendar um, helps me stay organized. And as far as I have a lot of support, my husband, he is great. Like he and my mother, if I didn't have them, I don't know how I would do all the things. So Daniel, thank you so much. Mother, thank you so much. <laughs> Love you guys. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and it's important. Support is important to have. So it's, it's, it, you know, it's that also receiving help, which I've talked about with people before. It's not being afraid to say, yeah, I can do all these things, but I still need support and assistance. I can't do them all alone to, to make them, to have them be done well. I need help. Exactly. And last year with um, the coronavirus, COVID-19, I started therapy and for me, it was a, a, a great um, treatment. Um, it was a great service to myself and it allowed me to be able to just talk freely with someone about everything that was going on and um, for her to, to just listen and to share some tools that could, have, could be helpful and some boundary work, the boundaries. I have always had a hard time saying no, but Amanda, girl, not anymore. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's great. That, that is a hard, hard lesson for a lot of us to learn to say no. Like, how do we know when to say no? And we, as women, you know, as a culture, as a society, yes is 
the most accepting and pleasing way to just say yes to everything and get totally burnt out and, and not know the difference. Right. So how did you know the difference between how did you start to understand? Like, this is my now, And I know for sure that this is my now. When my plate is already full, I, I don't have the capacity. I don't have the capacity to do more. And when more is added to my plate, I'm already overloaded or I'm, my plate is full. I say yes to one more thing. It affects my relationship with the people who count on me, the people who matter the most. So why do I want to affect that relationship in a negative capacity? That's, that's not good for us, right? Right. Joy, love, peace, abundance. So adding on something else, I can't do it. Particularly when, if I, I'm one of those people, I give 100%. I usually give 110%. So you're asking me to do something else or you need something from me, I'm unavailable. Yeah. No. And that, yeah, exactly. And just saying that, and I think there's power in, in continuing to do it over and over again. It's like anything else, the consistency of saying no and meaning it gives you back your confidence and power to say, yeah, this is really important to me. I'm going to put this as a priority. Like you just said, I can, if I put one more thing on my plate, I'm not going to show up as my best self. And it's, it's easier, um, you know, it's, it's harder to do and easier to say, I think, because people, there are a lot of people, you know, creating this busyness and this, you know, running around doing a variety of things. And you can feel that sense of not being in the body of not being in alignment with who they are. I agree. And, um, that mindfulness being present, is very difficult to be present when you have so much going on at one time. So if you're having a conversation or you're working on something, be with that person, be with that work that you're doing so that that work can be done correctly, efficiently and effectively the first time. So that conversation that you're having, you actually remember what you all were talking about. So that, you know, whatever outcome or, or work that you're supposed to do from that conversation gets done versus, hey, Amanda, I know we were talking. What was I supposed to do? Right. I yeah. wasn't here. I wasn't, we weren't, I wasn't present. Yeah. So you got to be here one-on-one with the person or with whatever you're doing. Yeah. And I, and I believe that, you know, yoga does that, you know, the practice really draws you in personally. Um, I speak from only my own experience, but when I'm teaching, I'm so tuned in. Um, I really am not thinking about anything else. And, and that, um, I th- that's such a, a powerful thing I've learned from being a teacher that it really puts me in this place of presence. And I feel it a- even after the fact of teaching, um, you know, the sense of a, a personal like high be- from just being totally present in my body and with the people that I'm with. And it's a reminder, like you said, that we can do that always, you know, we can make a choice to show up and to be present to whoever is in the room and whoever we're with. And, and we notice when people aren't present, right. We notice when people are, you know, running late and they're just popping in and, and very flustered and, or going over time. And, and, you know, it's just, we feel that energy. It's hard. It's hard to, um, to not feel it, to not take it on. Yeah, it sure is. And having been that person in the past who running late and you're distracted, but trying to be present, it doesn't feel good in your body. No, there's this anxiousness, this heaviness that's sitting on your chest or your shoulders. So you have to take control and start to say no, put those boundaries in place and stick to them. And the people who are for you, the work environment, the, the, the yoga instructors, your yoga friends, et cetera, who are for you, they will respect your boundaries. They will be proud of you for sticking to those because it's going to improve your relationship. It's going to improve you as an individual so that that next experience, that next work that you're doing, you're able to be there and be present. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that because it, it's just, it's such a big point. And I think, I mean, we could go on and on, but 
I think people need it. I think, I think it needs to be heard, um, you know, that boundaries and having those are really important. And I'd love for you to just touch upon to what, you know, what you've discovered as your own personal values as a human being and how those translate into your practices and how you run your studio. And you've sort of talked a little bit about through this, through our discussion here, I think some of those have, have already come up. Um, but I would love to know just how, if you, you know, you're clear on your values and what you stand for and who you are as a person, um, if you could share that with us, cause it's, it's something that, um, I think everyone needs to, to be clear on for themselves. Truth and honesty at its core, because if you have honesty and truth, you can get through anything. Okay, that's just like a, a basic value for me. Also, I value feedback. I think I've spoken to that yes. the entire time that yeah. we've been chatting today, that I've, I definitely value feedback, um, communication, honesty. I'm really big on honesty. That's yeah. a huge thing for me. Thank you. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, that is one of my top values as well is honesty and integrity, you know, saying what you mean, meaning what you say and showing up as yourself consistently. And that, that, if anything to me, if, if someone does that, you know, it's like, I can see true character in someone. And I think, you know, our society has sort of, it's, it's been devalued a little bit to be honest and truthful and integral and to really be who you are. There's so many ways I think in our world today to not be who you are and to create this image or representation of yourself that looks good in the moment. And so we, we've sort of made that something that's okay to, to look different over here and over here. But I think, I think, I really believe it's important to show up as yourself, no matter what your role is. Um, and, and that's challenging because people that are in different roles or in different environments, they show up differently and you know them as one person. If you saw them over here, you'd be like, that's not the same person. So it's quite fascinating. I agree. To live with integrity, to have honesty, and to be unapologetically you. Whoever Amanda is, let Amanda shine in all environments. We can in all environments be safe and be who we are. Absolutely. Without judgment. Our world is so judgmental. We need to step back from that. Yeah. Just love people as themselves and be okay with that. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that is the truth. It is that there's a lot of judgment and shame and things around, you know, putting people down to make ourselves feel better. And that, that way of, of operating to me is not creating any sense of uh, coming together or community. It's just more separation of me versus you, right? This is what I have. This is what you don't have. And I agree. I, I mean, I hope there is one day when there can be, you know, this, this feeling of, of peace for people, you know, that all people have the same, same opportunities. And that's, you know, the bottom line is we're not there you know, everyone isn't, isn't in that position. And that, that is the reality that we're facing, you know? And so we have to, we have to be open to understand that, you know, and to know, to know where we are as human beings. So thank you, Stephanie, for all your, your insight. I'm going to move into our our final question here, which is um, what do you believe is your or the collective's untapped power and how can you start to access it if you're not doing so already? So my untapped power, which I have tapped into is taking control. I frequently would be that person to ask someone else's opinion and second guess. But guess what, Amanda? I already have the answers. I already know what I need to do. So step up. It's okay to be a young black woman that's successful, doing great things. Stop, stop making yourself small. You're five, one and a half, Stephanie, be five, one and a half and speak up. So all that self-inquiry, self-study and the, that deeper work, it allows me to speak my truth now. Yeah. Thank without you. Without fear and without shame. Yes. And that's amazing. And it's, and, and that's for the world to see, right? For who you are and what you're offering. And, and when you're standing in that place of control for yourself and, 
in your showing up as who you are, you don't have to feel that you're not, you're not good enough, right. That you're not this enough and you're not that enough. And so, so it really is, is the gift that you can give to yourself that keeps on giving to those around you, which I love, absolutely love. So yeah, thank you for just being so honest and sharing about your, you know, who you are and what you offer. I've really, I've really enjoyed our conversation and I'd love for you to, to, give people ways in which they can stay connected with you um, to see what you're doing and what you're offering. If you have different programs you're offering um, so that, that the community here, we can share and, and, and let people know um, who you are and what you're doing. Definitely. Um, Well, people can join my studio or check us out on the internet. The website is www.indigosoul.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Send us an email. You know, we're available. Hello, indigosoyoga.com. You can also find me, professor underscore Epps on Instagram. Great. Thank you. And I'll include all that for people listening so that they can, they can get in touch with you and find you. Um, yeah. And keep doing what you're doing. You're really a beautiful, beautiful being and offering so much in this world to the yoga world, the community and keeping people, um, in that balance and continuing to give feedback and and show up. And that is, is so, is so important. So, so thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining this week's episode of untapped power. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review. I would love to hear your insights and wisdom. If you are a yoga teacher interested in being a participant on the podcast, please reach out directly. I am always looking for new voices and perspectives. As a financial coach, I work with clients individually who are in the yoga industry and are looking to gain clarity and awareness around your finances. If this is you, then reach out to schedule your free connection call. All information can be found at amandastroni.com. As always, continue to stand confidently in your power, use your voice, and allow your heart to be free. Until next time.